Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So if you guys have Bibles, you can open up. We're going to be reading Colossians 1, verse 24 through 29. It says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too, and that this secret... Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Awesome. So I'm going to give you guys just a little context to this passage. The first thing that we're going to talk about is the idea of Paul. For those of you that know anything about Paul, Paul, when he wrote this letter to the church of Colossae, he actually was in prison. Paul sent a lot of his ministry in prison. Um, Paul had a crazy story of coming to Christ. When Paul came to Christ, he actually was persecuting Christians and killing them for their belief in Christ and believing that they were false teaching information. So because of that, when he came to Christ, he had a drastic coming to Christ story and said, Christ, I'm willing to give you everything and since I went around persecuting Christians and you died for me, I'm willing to give my whole life to you, which is such a beautiful testament of the story of Paul and how Jesus changes lives, that he took a passion and he turned it for him and it caused Paul to go out and save so many people. Paul really took persecution to a whole new level as that we see it in scripture. And Paul's motto in life was that persecution didn't derail the ministry of Christ, rather it propelled the ministry of God forward, which I think is such a beautiful thing that we can learn from Paul. See, Paul, when he preached messages and he wrote these letters, he was so fixed on people just understanding the gospel. And I think it's something so beautiful that we get so lost in. We get so lost in teaching good theology. We get so lost in learning how to be good Christians. But Paul said, if I could give you any one message, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he died for you. So we're going to read some of that message. And a little more information before we jump into it. So the Church of Colossae, they were really thriving churches we've talked about. But there's two groups of people that were causing issues around the church, not within the church itself, outside of the church. The first was Gnostics. If you know anything about Gnosticism, we're going to talk about it a little bit today. So the first thing about Gnostics that we need to understand is the idea that Gnostics believed that the material world was evil. Anything inside the material world was not good and that you should flee from it, that you shouldn't build up wealth here. And it sounds like good things until it came to the idea of Jesus. And they said, well, Jesus is evil and that Jesus couldn't have existed 
because Jesus couldn't be God's son because the material world was evil. So this church that's flourishing, they're having these people come stand outside their church and say, well, that's not true. Jesus couldn't have been walking the material world, which means he couldn't have died for you and been the savior and resurrected. So that's one of the things that's going on with these churches. The next thing is that the Gnostics also believed that the secret to life and to get to afterlife was a secret, that you couldn't tell people and you were supposed to spend your whole life searching after it to find it. And if you didn't find it, you weren't able to get to afterlife or that you had a really hard time figuring it out so that you spent your whole life searching after this knowledge. The second group of people were Judaizers. And Judaizers, it's really interesting because when we read about Jewish history in the Old Testament, we read that they're the chosen people of God and that God had set them apart and that's how Jews lived their lives. They were super careful about what they ate and the different things they did in practices. They were told not to go to Gentiles' house because it made them unclean and the Jews were supposed to be clean and set apart. So they lived their lives like they were set apart. But when Jesus came and taught about the gospel, it drastically changed the lives of Jewish people. Those that followed Christ believed that they were supposed to share this message with everyone, and other people really wrestled with this message. And they said, well, we've been taught our whole lives that Gentiles are dirty, and now you're telling us to go share the message with the Gentiles. Isn't the gospel for Jews? Like, we are the chosen people. And I think that's a really hard thing to wrestle with. And for some of us, too, when we hear stories of people coming to Jesus, right? Like, we've worked our whole lives. We've been walking with Jesus. And then we hear stories of people living not a life with Jesus and coming to Jesus on their deathbeds, and they still enter into it. Uh, into the gospel message. And I think that's what the Jews were wrestling with during this time. It's the idea that we had been our whole lives working so hard and doing everything right so that we would be ready for the Messiah to come. And now you're saying that even the unclean people that are intermarried and have been dirty in our minds can have same access to this gospel. So that's the tension that's been happening within the church. So when Paul is writing this letter... He's writing it to the audience of the Gnostics and the Judaizers in the community and telling the church, this is how we have to share the message with them because this is everything that's happening within the community. So I'm going to just reread one verse before we jump in. Sorry, how to find it. <laughs> the verse is 26. It says, This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now has been revealed to God's people. Thanks, John, for the help. <laughs> so the thing about this thing, as we talked about before, is that there's this secret, and people, like the Gnostics had been living with these secrets that you have to seek, seek after these secrets. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Um, so as we read this... Um, Paul is saying that there's not a secret to the gospel. Rather, the gospel is a mystery that Christ is waiting to unfold to you. And the mystery of the gospel is that Christ died for all. And that was the message that Paul was wanting the Colossae people to walk away with. Let's see. There it is. So the idea of Christ died for all was drastic for so many people in this culture because in their ideas that Christ hadn't come for all. Christ had come for the chosen people, 
But Paul is declaring, no, Jesus Christ came so that every single person would have an opportunity to hear the gospel. That every single person would have the same opportunity to be in relationship with Christ. What a powerful thing. We were talking before the service and I was talking with John. And like, man, that's the greatest message we could proclaim as a church. Am I right? Yeah, so there's nothing greater. Like we think about what can we share and what can we talk about? Christ dying for all, that Christ came for you no matter what your story is. Christ wants you no matter what, that he died knowing who you are is the most powerful thing we can ever understand as Christians. That those in our lives that feel so far from Christ, that want nothing to do with Christ, Christ still died for them and wants them more than anything. The story of the gospel is a story of a God that is constantly chasing after his people, that wants them more than anything in this world, and that he is willing to do anything so that you would have the opportunity to hear that gospel. Now, that is like the most powerful thing to me to understand that Christ came for you, that Christ came for you no matter what, no matter what your story is, no matter what you do tomorrow, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you're thinking today, but no matter what the idea that Christ came for you is a part of the gospel story, that you are wanted and that you are needed. So we're going to read Ephesians, this couple verses that just shows this. It's 14 through 15. Ephesians 2, verse 14 through 15, it says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law and its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Like, wow, that just leaves me speechless as we read that. That Jesus came so that the Jews and Gentiles, those that had been separated for centuries, could live together as one people. That Christ, there's different nations and different tongues. We read in the book of Revelation that at the end of times, that every nation, every people group would come together and in one voice proclaim the name of Jesus. That we live because Christ has created one family together. That we are no longer divided because of the message of the gospel. That we can live together. And one of the beautiful things that I love about the book of Paul is how he always just goes back to the gospel message. He always just wants people to understand Christ loves you and he came for you and you have the ability to live in a relationship with him. And as we read the gospel message, I think the story of Nicodemus relates great to this. Nicodemus, for those of you that do know, he was a Pharisee, and he went to Jesus in the middle of the night because he was afraid what other people would think. He was supposed to believe this one thing and live a super religious life, but he had a lot of questions about like, well, what does this mean? How do I actually get into the kingdom of heaven? And one of the most beautiful Bible verses and the most quoted Bible verses when we talk about the gospel message was spoken to Nicodemus as he's wrestling as a Pharisee with who is this gospel message for and how do I attain it? And that's where we read John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
So as we read this gospel story, as Paul gives this message to people, we understand the idea that Christ came so that the Jews no longer have to feel separated from the Gentiles, that they can live together, that the Gentiles have the same opportunity and the same right to the gospel as every single person. And that's the same for today, that no matter who you are, you still have the same right and opportunity to the gospel as every other person in this world. And as we talk about missions and we think about missions, one of the beautiful things of missions is that's the heart of God, that God has a heart of missions. He has a heart for going after lost people. For those of you that don't know, we are a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. And as a Christian Missionary Alliance Church, we believe that lost people matter to Christ and that nobody is too lost to be found by Jesus. And I just think that's the gospel message that is so beautiful. Nobody is too lost to be found by our Savior. That no one is too lost, too broken for the gospel message, but that the gospel message is for everybody. So as we continue in the book of Colossians in this passage, we read the second part of what Christ has for these people. So not only did Christ die for them, but then we read, let's find it. So we tell others about Christ. We're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in the relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So as we read this passage and we continue, we realize that Christ not only died for us, but now Christ lives in us. And we have the ability to live in a relationship with Christ. A lot of times when we hear Christian lingo, we hear, well, Christ is always with me. He's always beside me. There's that famous story about the footprints in the sand. And the story is about walking along the ocean floor and seeing when I was struggling, there was only one step because Christ was carrying me. And when everything was going good, he was walking and holding hands with me. We were going around the ocean. But that's actually not biblically accurate when we hear this story and we hear about God. The story of the footprints in the sand is saying Christ is beside you, but Christ actually lives within you. When Christ came and died for us and he resurrected and went back to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit that empowers us and lives inside of us so that we never have to be apart from Christ again, that you have access to Christ all the time. And as we talk about this mystery and the secret, we realize there is no secret, that the gospel message is not a secret, that you have to search and search for answers about God. The gospel message is actually just a mystery that God is waiting to unfold to you and wants to reveal to you. That this mystery is not something we have to search and long for, but that it's right there for us, waiting to unfold. And as we read about the Holy Spirit, um, one of the ways we can understand Christ living in us is chocolate milk. So if you guys have ever heard my dad use this, this is one of his famous ways of explaining the Holy Spirit, which I think is awesome. So I stole it. Don't tell him. Um, When you talk about chocolate milk, there's two components of chocolate milk. There's chocolate and there's milk. 
And the beautiful thing about chocolate milk is that what happens is you don't just take a sip of the milk and then squirt some Hershey's chocolate in your mouth and kind of gurgle it around and see if it turns into chocolate milk. You actually put them in a cup and you mix them together. And once it becomes chocolate milk, you can't separate that chocolate from the milk. If you really mix it together, it's stuck together and it becomes a whole new thing and it's no longer just milk and it's no longer just chocolate, but it's chocolate milk. So everyone after church, go drink your chocolate milk to remember that you and the Holy Spirit are one now. Um, so as we see this, there's some things that we first wrestle with. When we hear that Christ lives in us, this isn't just information, the gospel that we hear. Christ doesn't give us facts that he wants us to memorize, that at the end of times, we're just going to repeat facts to him of like, okay, well, you died for me. Okay, well, I'm supposed to believe this about you. But we realize that the Holy Spirit actually imparts into us, that it's not information that we memorize, but it's an impartation of the Holy Spirit and how we live our lives. That once we receive the Holy Spirit and we accept Christ into our life, we are no longer the same person. The person that you were before is unrecognizable because of what the Holy Spirit has done inside of you. I have this friend in college, um, and she came to Christ her senior year of high school, and she always just told me who she was in high school, and she was a really big bully to everyone in school. But she wasn't a bully because she liked picking on people. Um, her words, not mine. So I'm not calling her a bully. She called herself that. Um, but she also, she said, I just really felt bad for the underdogs. Like whoever I felt like was the lowest in the school, I would beat up anyone to protect those people. And I think the coolest thing is the moment she accepted Christ, she actually just graduated college and is working with refugees to share the gospel with refugees who in the world have been seen as outcasts and lost people wandering. And I think her story is a beautiful testimony of what Christ does to us, that he gives us these spiritual giftings and a heart for him that drastically change the way our lives go. She had this passion for people that were seen as the underdogs in life, but the moment the Holy Spirit came inside of her, her calling was awakened. She realized, I'm not supposed to just pick on people that pick on the underdogs, but I'm supposed to stand up for those that don't have a voice and share the gospel with those that people have seen don't have a right to share the gospel. And that's just part of what Christ does when we come to him and we realize that Christ lives within us. He gives us these gifts that if you are a believer and a follower of Christ, Christ has instilled inside of you the Holy Spirit that it is a part of you. You no longer have to live in the secret, but you have access to the mystery of Christ and that you will never be alone, that there's not a moment that Christ isn't within you and that you have access to talk to Christ whenever you want that he is always walking inside of you and still longing after you and to do life with you. So the next part in the verse that I want to talk about is this idea of being perfect. Now, I feel like perfect is a word that for me, I'm like, ooh, cleanse up a little when I hear it. And he says, we want to present them to God perfect in the relationship with Christ. I know for me, I'm a pastor's kid, for those of you that don't know. If you do now, 
well, just re-saying it, but um, growing up as a pastor's kid, my parents never put pressure on me, but because of the role, I always felt this pressure from everyone along me and watching me that I had to be perfect, that eyes were always on me, that I represented my dad, and if I ever did anything wrong, they would think my dad was a bad dad, my dad was a bad pastor, he was going to be fired. Like, I just had this script in my mind of there's reasons you have to be perfect, because everyone expects you to be perfect. And I remember I had like this one youth leader, not from the plant church, and they just basically told me like, I'm waiting to see you not do something right. Like, I just want to see you almost fail in life because I've never seen you fail. And for me, that was the most like triggering thing you could say. It's like, oh my goodness, somebody is waiting for me to fail. So now I just have to be perfect. I can't do anything wrong. And perfection when it comes to Christ is something that's been really hard for me. It's like, wow, I love him so much that I don't want to fail him and I want to do everything right, but I'll never amount to perfection. I'll never get there. So when Paul says this, it's like, really, Paul? You want to tell me to be perfect? Like, you know, we can't be perfect. But the definition that Paul is using of perfection is different than the definition we would use today. When we think of perfection, we think of doing everything 100% right, that we're not failing, that we're the highest success, that we're doing everything. Everyone sees us, and when they look at us, there's no flaw. But that's not what Paul is saying when it comes to perfection. What he's actually saying is that you would be complete in Christ, that you would reach maturity in Christ, that Christ is the only thing in life that can label you as perfect. Nothing else can label you as perfect. We live in a broken world, and because we live in a broken world, we will always fail in this world, that there's nothing we can amount to and hold on to in this world that is worth more than Christ. And if we keep trying to go after perfection in this world, we're going to keep finding that we fail. But Paul is saying, stop. Let's take a minute and let's realize that perfection is being complete in Christ, that Christ completes you and that everything you need is in him. So when we come to Christ, not only do we remember that Christ died for us, that he lives within us, but that he has labeled you perfect, that there's no guilt and there's no shame in the presence of Christ, but that he wants you for who you are, and that when you come to him, he is saying that you are complete in my eyes, that you are my beloved. There's nothing that I would change about you and that I love you for who you are. A.B. Simpson is the founder of our denomination, um, and he has this beautiful quote. Shout out to A.B. Simpson. Yeah, John. <laughs> um, A.B. Simpson says this beautiful quote, and it says that God doesn't call great people. He doesn't call, call the qualified, but call, God wants people that are willing to point to the greatness of God. That it's not about being a great person in this life. It's not about striving to be perfect or striving to do as much as you can. But he's rather wanting to call people and waiting to call people that are saying, it's not about me, Jesus. It's about you. And I just want people to see greatness in you, not in me. That it has nothing to do with me and that greatness is only found in you. Which is such a powerful quote. 
And it changes the way that we see perfection and we see the life that we live. That we don't have to strive to do anything, but that our identity is found in Christ. And when we label ourselves children of God and set apart, that we no longer have to strive and run after anything else. So as we just continue in this passage, I'm going to read it one more time, the last part. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in the relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. The first lesson that we learn from Christ is that he says, I must depend on God's mighty power. That Paul had worked so hard to give the gospel message out to people, um, and he realized that it's not me, it's you, that I can only do this with you. And that's what we need to remember today, is that the only way we can ever do anything is through the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with this message? The first thing we remember is that Christ died for you. And if you need that remembrance today, or if this is the first time you are ever hearing that, I just want to say that over you one more time, that Christ died for you, that he wants you, he is searching after you, and he is longing for you, which is such a beautiful remembrance for us, that Christ, we are part of the story of God. We are part of the family of God, and he wants you. For those in your life that feel so far from Christ, and you're like, there's no way that they would ever understand the gospel. There's no way that they would ever feel the love of Christ. I want to reassure you that Christ is already going after them and that Christ wants them more than you want them to know Christ. That his love for them is unconditional and it does not matter what they do. He will continue seeking after them. And as we talked about in the beginning, we talked about the story of Poe and Kung Fu Panda. And at the end of the movie, what ends up happening is Poe has to defeat this evil warrior. And he goes up, and he's like, got him in this little hole. And he's like, well, I want to see the scroll. So Poe's like, okay, you can see the scroll. I'll show you it. And the evil guy opens up the scroll, and he's like, it's blank. It's nothing. And in that moment, it clicks for Poe what the message for the dragon warrior was. It was that the power lies within you. And that's the message we hear as Christians, that the power of the Holy Spirit lives within us and that we have access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ into our life, that we no longer have to wonder about different things, but we are empowered children of God that walk in our authority as children of God and can proclaim that. And so in that moment, Poe just twists his fingers, and with a zap of a finger, he shoots off and is dead. Uh, and it just shows, like, when you come to Christ, there is power in that. So if you have not understood the Holy Spirit, or you have felt like, I've accepted Christ, but I still feel lost, the gospel story is also that Christ now lives with inside you and is empowering you. You don't have to live in the secret and the wondering. There is no secret to the gospel. 
If people ever ask, I'm searching for something, you can tell them there's not much searching to do because it's not a secret. Like it's not something he's trying to keep from you. He wants you to know it. It's a mystery that he's waiting to show you. And that's the beauty of it, that Christ lives with inside of us and it's not a mystery anymore. It's something that we're able to live in our identity as children of God and walk in. So for you that are wondering, well, how do I give up everything to Christ? As I hear this, we talked about in the beginning, what's that one thing that you are going after? What, I want to ask you guys that question. I want you guys to think about that. What is that one thing that you based your life on and said that if I just achieve this in my life, everything's going to be okay? What is that one thing that you said, if only this happens, everything's going to be okay? And as we talked about before, that no matter how hard you search after that one thing, if that one thing is not Jesus, you will always be disappointed. That you will never feel fulfilled and never feel satisfied with life. I want to invite the worship band up as we continue this. And before we finish out the sermon, I just want to pray over you guys um, and allow the Holy Spirit to come into the room and just reveal himself in a new way. The gospel message, as we said, and we just keep saying because it's the most important thing you can understand, it's not a secret. Christ isn't trying to hide from you or make you confused. The gospel message is a mystery that he wants to invite you into and that you have access to understanding Christ and knowing him. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.